Fem första. Okej, jag var klara och varsågod. What is it like to be a horse on a film set? When a feature film is in the making and a bunch of film workers are trying their very best to recreate a forgotten chapter of Norwegian war history. Welcome, my name is Liva Bonnevi and this is episode 15 from Clan of the Horses, a podcast about horses and horse people. And today I will take you behind the scenes of our new World War II epic that will be released on December 25th this year. Because I have one foot in the film industry and one in the horse industry, I have decided to make at least one episode about horses on the silver screen. I will first and foremost cover how important it is to prepare the horse well. And I will use some examples from the film you just heard footage from, our World War II epic Narvik. But I want to start by providing some insights into the historical lines when we talk about horses on film. It did not start well. And many horses have suffered an unfortunate fate on set. When Ben-Hur was produced in 1925, around 150 horses were killed. The number of dead horses must have provoked reactions, but it did not change the practice in the film industry. It had no noticeable consequences that 25 horses were killed on set when the charge of the Light Brigade were filmed in 1936 either. I suppose the cynicism needed to kill a herd of horses seems a bit too abstract to deal with for the human brain. But when the same cynicism was applied to kill two horses three years later, the audience finally said, enough is enough. The two horses in question were killed during the filming of Jesse James in 1939. In the film industry, we often need more than one take to ensure that we have the footage we need. So they needed two horses to cover the scene the director had in mind. Both horses were blindfolded and driven off the edge of a 70-foot cliff with a stuntman in the saddle. The stuntman who was well prepared was unharmed, but neither of the blindfolded horses survived. When the story reached the public, it finally became evident to everyone that a set of guidelines was needed in order to protect animals on set. In the United States, the American Humane Association was commissioned to monitor the safety and welfare of animals on set. And they were also responsible for deciding which films were allowed to add the following caption on the end credits. No animals were harmed, in the making of this film. But even though conditions have improved, the film industry can still be a harsh place for both horses and animals in general. Filmmaking is expensive, and the expression time is money fits better in the film industry than in many other industries. Because when the camera is rolling, so is the money, often at a frightening speed. So the text no animals were harmed is unfortunately no absolute guarantee when it comes to horse welfare. The good news is that the use and development of digital and mechanical replacements is a blooming industry. But it brings both advantages and disadvantages. The advantage is that you can treat a mechanical or digital horse any way you want, without causing pain or without killing it, like wrapping them in barbed wire, like they did in Warhorse, or driving them off a cliff, like they did in The Revenant. The disadvantage, however, is that it is difficult to design digital or mechanical horses that are apt to pass as real horses. Take the mechanical horse frequently used by the film industry to enable close-up of an actor or an actress who pretend to be sitting on a horse, where the movement through the spine 
and the rhythm is simply too imprecise, and as a result the illusion is broken, and with it also the silver screen magic. The same applies for digital horses, but here the software is improving by the hour, allowing digital horses to look better and better. But having said that, I can't emphasize enough how extremely difficult it is to imitate the movements of a living horse perfectly. Especially if you try to convince people who have spent years reading their body language, which is the case for most experienced horse lovers and riders. But in our World War II epic Narvik, we just needed a few horses, and none of them were required to perform spectacular stunts. So we needed neither digital nor mechanical horses, just real and living horses. But in order to have living horses on set and make it work, preparation is crucial. For an outsider, it can be hard to imagine what a film set looks like from the inside, but I'll try to illustrate it. It looks pretty much like a military operation, where we have between 50 and several hundred film workers, each and every one in charge of their own specific field of expertise, followed by a list of responsibilities. You also have cameras, smoke machines, tripods or cranes with huge black or blue moltens or reflectors, or both. You have huge lamps, props of all shi- shapes and sizes, people in a hurry, commands, walkie-talkies, dollies, cables like spider webs on the ground, and maybe a few hundred extras too. So it's not the perfect place for a flight animal. And unlike children, horses can be very difficult to read for the average film worker. So if a horse on set has an increased level of adrenaline and is about to bolt, chances are that no one will notice. For sure, we inform everyone on set when we bring in horses that they need to be careful around the animals. But the average film worker is usually too busy doing the job they're paid to do to remember instructions like these as the hours go by. And I can't say I blame them. They are often very aware in the beginning. And since they see no negative response in the horse, they tend to think that all is good. And then 10 hours into filming, with seven more hours to go, the horse has looked calm the whole day and and is now considered just a prop that can be moved around at will. No precautions needed. Film workers simply don't know how horses relate to their surroundings. A camera is a perfect example. For a human being, it's fairly easy to generalize. If you've seen one camera, you've seen them all. Not so for a horse. A new camera is a whole new ballgame. And so is the crane or the dolly we use to move the camera around with. The horse does not possess an exceptional talent for generalization like humans do. So it's not just a camera for them. We also tend to alter the set itself during filming. And for humans, that poses no big challenge. It is still the same set, only organized slightly differently. But for the horse, it is a brand new set. And then there is the equipment we use, that is apt to make even the calmest of horses uptight. Smoke machines, for example. We use them a lot, and not just to elude gun smoke. But that was the case on the Nyrick set, where we used smoke to simulate the aftermath of a grenade attack. So the guys responsible for the smoke had several thick, transparent, flexible plastic tubes lying on the ground, looking like breathing serpents puffing smoke in an unpredictable pattern, something the average horse for sure has never seen or been exposed to before. And that's just it. You cannot expose the horse for anything you might encounter on a film set. It's just not possible. So in order to be successful with horses on set, you need a horse that is confident, curious, trained to handle racing adrenaline, and last but not least, you need a horse that feels he can rely on you when the shit hits the fan, because on set, it often will. You also need a helper you can trust, a fit helper, because he or she also will operate as what we call a runner. 
somebody who is apt to get you what you need and get it fast. You also need to bear in mind that the plan is never 100% fixed when we make films. And it will often change as we go along as a result of either inspiration or factors we cannot control, like changing weather, for example. Suddenly, you may need different equipment for your horse. And the equipment is typically lying in the horse trailer. And the trailer is parked offset, sometimes way off. And you don't want to drag your horse back to the trailer through webs of cables and other traps in order to get it. You want to stay on the set and acclimatize your horse and ensure a safe situation when the camera is rolling. So your helper must get it for you. Same goes for food and water, for both you and the horse. Also, you cannot expect that the film team has prepared a stable or a pasture for the horse. In short, if you aim for a career in the film industry with your horse, preparation is everything. Every battle is won before it was ever fought, writes Sun Tzu in The Art of War. And the deal you make with the production company is the first key to success. The thing is that the person in charge of getting the horse is usually not the person who has the artistic vision for the film. So it is crucial to know what is expected of the horse and being confident that you can deliver it. But it is equally important to stand your ground if you need to protect your horse and ensure a safe set. I got a good example from the Narvik set where we hired a horse to rear when an explosion was heard. On set, the concept was slightly altered. The horse was to rear while harnessed to a chariot. Only the horse we hired had never been harnessed before, nor had she ever pulled a chariot. Add the fact that it was a backyard set with only one narrow exit, and you have a disaster waiting to happen on your hands. The thing is that if you haven't seen a flight animal in full-blown panic before, you have no idea how dangerous a setup like this could be. Imagine a horse, harnessed to a chariot for the first time, going into full-blown panic and bolting on a set with the mentioned smoke serpents, cables, cranes, moltens, and last but not least, people. You just don't want to go there. A second alternative was proposed, and that was having the horse rearing while tied up to a wall and then struggle to break free. Certainly a very powerful image, but it needs equipment designed to break and a safe haven for the horse after breaking free. And it requires time allocated to make it work, because it's no longer a single rear that we expect. It is a stunt. But safety aside, first and foremost, you need to consider the horse. For if you have a horse trained to rear and you don't want to give her a bad experience, you need to be careful. For even though she can cope with the harness, asking her to rear with the harness on might affect her ability to perform later in a negative way. And it is very easy to cause long-term damage or performance quality. You also need to know that margins are slim on a film set. The rearing horse we used on Narvik was spooked at one point and were inches from treading her hind foot into a tripod with a 3 by 5 meter molten on top. Had the trainer not prepared the horse properly to connect when the adrenaline was up, the spider web of cables would have been ready to greet the horse in the next stride. Horses are hardwired to spook, and nothing can change that. But you can change how they respond after they spook through training. To sum things up, before you put your horse on a film set, make sure the horse is as confident as possible. And make sure that you can keep the connection when the adrenaline is up. You also need to be very specific about what you and your horse can offer and what you cannot offer. Preferably put it in writing. And remember, make sure to bring at least one helper. 
make sure that your horse is trained to repeat a task so the repetition itself is rewarded. Make sure to teach your horse to relax between takes. Days are long in the film industry. Make sure that what the horse is asked to do is something the horse can deliver on cue every single time and preferably use a cue that is subtle and quiet. And last but not least, make sure that you stand your ground to protect your horse on set if need be. Remember, you're the only safety net the horse can truly rely on and you have to make sure that it is solid. Finally, I also want to mention the fact that filmmaking is the most collaborative environment ever created by humanity to create art. Thus, we rely heavily on everyone involved, understanding and performing their tasks to the very best of their abilities. Just a quick anecdote to illustrate what not to do. Knowing film workers and horse people all over the world, I ran into a horse wrangler some years ago who had worked on some of the international box office hits involving horses. He was intrigued by the possibility to come to Norway and work here. And at the time, we were considering an adaptation of my book, Clan of the Horses. So I conducted an f- informal interview with him. And among all the adventures he could share from the screen trade, he mentioned how he and some of the guys from his team had a hobby when they worked on historical films. They tried to place modern items in frame, like the coffee cup you could see in Game of Thrones. Only they did it on purpose. And the goal was to get away with it wasting the production company's money and the visual effect people's valuable time. Needless to say, the informal job interview ended right there. Filmmaking is complicated, and people who have no respect for the end result and the joint effort it takes to succeed with a feature film do not belong on a film set. You just heard episode 15 from Clan of the Horses, a podcast about horses and horse people. A little note about the Narvik trailer that will be released this week. We chose a version of the scene where the horse does not rear, but it must be said that the little red horse reared on every single take when asked. I want to thank my composer Fredrik Blom, Sofia Polmar and her horse Katla, whom I interviewed on my Norwegian podcast, and last but not least, I want to thank you, dear listener, for your patience. May the horse be forever with you.